Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Impact Investing Podcast. And Tom, this week, we're talking about um, record global temperatures, mm-hmm. global heat wave. Yeah, It's not made its way to Liverpool yet. No. Uh, it's freezing here. <laughs> it's been <laughs> an awful lot, and it's cold and windy. But um, a while back, I think it was when we did have record temperatures in the UK, uh, early on, it was like episode three or four, we yeah. did a, we talked about, um, we did a heat wave special and we talked about climate change and, and how that, um, you know, that, that scale of that problem and how it fits into sort of thinking about investments and uh, being an impact investor. So we're going to uh, revisit that, hopefully add some new things. And, um, you know, it's particularly important this week uh, because we're seeing well, close to, if not record temperatures across the world. And in fact, the yeah. global average temperature is at record levels this week. So, Tom, before then, um, a quick global admin corner. <laughs> this is our 50-second poddy, which is a, a year. It is a year, but it's not It's not, it's not it's perfect because we missed a few. We've missed a few because you keep going on holiday and crying off, ringing in sick. <laughs> um, that's never happened, but... Uh, Sounded funny. I have um, been on holiday. Yeah, I've been on holiday once. So never you. again. You're not allowed. Um, send us your questions, please, at podcast at circa5000.com. Um, listen, like, subscribe, Spotify, Apple, uh, watch the videos on YouTube. And for a third consecutive week, flying high in the South African podcast charts. And are you going to do a South African accent to celebrate? Mabru. Okay. Oh, that was pretty good. If you say so. <laughs> I actually do enjoy doing a South African accent in my spare time, but I won't bring that onto the podcast no, this keep week. That, keep that to you. We might lose all our listeners in South Africa for doing it. Um, so, yeah, there's record global temperatures this week. Um, we have record temperatures on three continents, mm. Tom, and it's affecting more than just the actual temperature as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so we've seen... Obviously, see it on three continents, as you said, which is I think that what what makes this one particularly stark and you know let's say unique. But normally, it's quite it's more it's more localized. Um, and as a consequence to that, we've seen flooding all over the world at the same time, from the USA to to Japan. It's been the hottest June ever recorded globally, and the hottest July so far ever recorded. I think some of the the consecutive days at the start of July have consistently beat you know, the, the previous records of the previous days. So if you're in the UK, you might not be feeling this because it's been raining and cold, but everywhere else uh, seems to be experiencing these temperatures. China hit 52 degrees. Um, just as a contrast to that, they hit minus 52 degrees, which is the coldest ever temperature uh, not so long ago in winter. So that's a, a, a huge temperature swing in China. Yeah. Um, Italy and Spain, 40, 44 degrees. I think it was actually hit 48, 49 in Italy. North Africa, the same. US, the same. Japan's in the 40s. And so you've got this broad spread, really high, dangerously high temperatures. Um, yeah, and we're close to uh, world record temperatures in, a, yeah. in Death Valley. I mean, the clue is perhaps in the name. Sounds lovely. In a, in a, in a place called Furnace Creek, which again, sounds like it could be <laughs> the hot. The clue is all in the name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've seen temperatures over 53 degrees uh, Celsius yeah. in California, in Death Valley. Um, 
interestingly though, the world, the highest temperature ever recorded in the world is in Furnace Creek in Death Valley, but it was in 1913, mm. 56.7 degrees Celsius. Wow. Um, but they're expecting it'll be beaten, won't they? Uh, they're they expecting the it'll be beaten, yeah. Um, you know, but this is just... If, it's just unbearable temperatures, basically. It's really hot to hear for two people from Northern England. 20 yeah. degrees feels hot to me. Well, the way I think about it is you'd roughly cook a medium-rare steak to about 53 degrees. Is that how you assess all temperatures? All on steak, yeah. All on how we would cook a steak. <laughs> so if you stood out in Not that for overdone. a while... Not overdone. You could be edible. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we've got, you know, climate change is supercharging all these weather events. You know, you've got ice caps melting, oceans warming which means there's more water vapour in the air, which is contributing to the more extreme weather, especially with the flooding that you've seen. And I think uh, recently, I think it was a few days ago, maybe last week, scientists are now proclaiming that we've entered a new epoch called the uh, Anthropocene. I think it's been rumoured for I a while. we had. I felt it. You felt it. You felt the big change. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's been rumoured for a while, but I think now they're getting to a point of concluding it with, with evidence. And this is the the, the, the epoch that's being characterised by the human impact on the planet. So our behaviour, you know, the, 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 our our, um, our growth, the, the things that we consume, um, has instigated a sixth mass extinction of other species. We've changed the biosphere and altered the chemistry of the oceans by burning fossil fuels. Doesn't sound like a good thing. And we've uprooted forests and poisoned land with chemicals. That's how the those are the three uh, definitions. A lot of, of these are, are sort of perpetuating as well. Yeah. So like the more you pollute the mm. ocean with plastic, yeah, the the more it heats up, the more that then you know you get proliferation of you know, certain species or, or algae or you get a reduction of other species, then, the, you know, the whole makeup of that ecosystem changes. Um, its ability to absorb carbon changes. Its ability to reflect heat changes. And you, you end up with these, like, these cycles where, you know, there's there's two or three influences happening at the same time and they just spiral. Yep. Um, so it doesn't feel like we're in a great place. No, either. it's a... Uh... It's a bit of a start backdrop, and I think you know before we go into, we always try and we'll we'll end on something that that is positive and gives people agency, which is you know happens to be the thing that we do for a living. We, we think which is impact investing. But before we get onto onto that, I think it's it's worth highlighting the scale of the challenge when it comes to climate change. Yeah. We, we we discussed this you know almost a year ago. A lot of these that we that a lot of the stats here are from uh, Bill Gates' book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. He's very into climate change when he's not putting microchips in us to follow us around the world. <laughs> Um, so the, the, the two, the two big overarching stats, obviously zero global net zero target is the target we've set ourselves for 2050, um, 51 billion tons of carbon equivalent every year is what we need to kind of remove, um, from the atmosphere if we're going to get to, uh, net zero. And I think the important part to stress when it comes to climate change and combating it is it's way more than just electricity. What that what that book does, um, and I'd recommend everyone read it um, if you've not uh, already, is it it breaks down how multifaceted this problem is to solve, um, all the different industries and areas that go into it. And so whilst we hold up electric vehicles and things like that as, as signs of a great achievement and great progress, it's a small component part of a really messy picture when it comes to tackling climate change. Yeah, and it's 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 about the, you know, a lot of these things are about electricity in the sense that it's the input energy source into stuff. Yeah. But you know, there's there's if you think about things like steel and cement, for example. Yeah. You know, there there are areas that perhaps don't get the headlines as much, mm. but they are 
um, you know, it's about 10% of global emissions is steel and cement mm. production. So, yeah. you know, unless you can find a clean form of steel and cement yeah. or an alternative that does those jobs, and, you know, there aren't many alternatives to build yeah. buildings, you know, of certain sizes, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to, you're not really going to solve this problem or you're going to have to go better than net zero in other areas yeah. to offset that 10%. Yeah. Also, as, as more of the globe, you know, sort of urbanizes and develops, uh, you know, areas like China where the construction is, you know, they're building huge cities. The demand for these materials increases, mm. so it's ten percent now. But mm. unless you find a replacement source of it, um, you know, again, things like transportation. Yeah. Again, it's the it's the fuel input. Um, you know, so if you can create all of the electricity cleanly, and then it is inputted into those into things like transport, then you did go away to solving the problem. Yeah. But. Uh, even if your electricity isn't produced cleanly, it's more efficient to run an electric car than it is yes. to run a, yeah, 100%, run a yeah. petrol one. So, um, yeah, and then you've got uh, things like refrigeration mm. and cooling yeah. and heating of homes. Um, you know, it's again, the demand for things like cooling yeah. <laughs> increases as the world gets hotter. Mm. And that's about 7% of global emissions as it is now. Yeah. But the more that there's demand for cooling when record temperatures are all over Europe and yeah. all over, the, you know, America and, and, and elsewhere, you know, what do people do? Well, they mm. stay inside. You literally can't go outside yeah. in those temperatures and they t- and if they have it, they turn on the air conditioning. Yeah. And you've got places that were traditionally cool, like as in, as in the UK is a great example of this, you know, in, in summers when we were growing up, people probably couldn't afford it, you know, where, where we grew up. Um, but there was no demand for it. Air conditioning units and houses. I mean, it, yeah. I, I never heard that mentioned at all until the past five years. You know, people that yeah. are buying now air conditioning units for summer because it gets too hot. Our buildings are designed for a cool country. It's now getting exceptionally hot. And as the as the earth continues to get warm, there's more and more places that go like that. There's more, yeah. there's going to be more demand for uh you know, cooling and, you know, on the flip side, more demand for heating as we get more extreme, you know, weather outcomes. The, the other area to highlight is 19% of that 51 million tonnes is from growing things, agriculture and, and that, yeah. that industry. That's another area that it does, get, it does get talked about, but it seems like the main focus is on, you know, the electricity into your home and, and, and transportation, I think. Yeah. But in the transportation, only half of it's cars. The rest yeah. is other other yeah. stuff that yeah. haven't really been tackled. I mean, you've seen, you've seen as it Dale Vince that's come out, um, UK entrepreneur that founded Ecotricity. Um, he's trying to uh, establish you know proper commercial electric powered planes, but has admitted that the first year of this the plane that he's got on um, that is that is uh, part of the team that's building is going to be powered by kerosene because yeah. it's still not viable yeah. yet. So there's 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 a long way to go on a few of these things, and there's some areas that don't seem to be in the conversation properly really at all. Yeah. You know, you've got areas like shipping. Yeah. You know, uh, there's, okay, there's electric trucks being developed, but, you know, they're along, you know, you see a a fair number of electric cars on the road. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen an electric truck on the road. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of areas there that that perhaps don't get the headlines as much that need. uh, Yeah. And and obviously the, 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 the big thing in this is getting to net zero has a cost. Yeah has a big cost. Um, there's a Rowan Hooper. I think you, you've you read his book, uh, How to Spend a Trillion Dollars. I have not read it yet, but I know about it. And I'll, I, I I'll parrot let, it like I have because you've told me about it. I'll lend you my copy. And uh, he's estimated that it's, it'll cost 100 trillion US dollars to get to net zero by 2025. I mean, that seems a little bit short, isn't it? I'll probably put that. 
maybe he was maybe I mean might be actually twenty thirty. Yeah, maybe twenty thirty. But, but the point is here is you've got, uh, you know, put that into 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 a, a comparative stat. So a hundred trillion US dollars is a, is a is a, about eighty trillion pounds sterling. Mm. The NHS budget for a year is about two hundred billion. It's about one hundred and ninety billion. Mm. Um, so it's the equivalent of funding the NHS for about four hundred years. Um, so, you know, it's a big number. It is a global figure, though. And the, I think the 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 other issue you've got here is that is that the later you leave this, the mm. more expensive it is because yeah, you have yeah. to do things quicker, yeah, yeah. Um, more drastic, harder. And it's something that requires global consensus. Yeah. So you know, it, you can you can solve one thing in one in one geography, mm. but unless unless there's a there's a global movement and you know what what have you seen just over years and years and years after oh, the, the Paris talks the COP talks is these targets get thrown around and then they get um, they get repeatedly missed or you know some major economy fails to commit to them or or something like that so it, what you've got is this is the political and economic uh, environment has to align mm. so that there's a will politically and there's economic availability to do it. And what you've seen since probably 2020, where inflation started to to go up and interest rates have started to go up, is that the country's abilities to invest in these big projects has been diminished. Mm. And the political will to put climate <laughs> stuff at the front of uh, forefront of policy arguments yeah. is not there because, frankly... When the public can't afford to pay their mortgage or their utility bills or buy enough food to feed the families, etc., you know, the climate is something that can be pushed to the back mm. um, because it's a long term. It, it's just seen as this not immediate issue. Yeah, if you have to pay a if you have to pay a bill that month or you have to feed your family that week, yeah, that's an issue that needs solving yeah. right now. Yeah, now the climate is an emergency. <laughs> But it doesn't feel like an emergency no. to the average person yeah. on, especially on any you, given day. Yeah, especially if you're in one of these traditionally cooler countries like this country. Especially if it's raining like it is here. Especially if it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, you know, we can talk about what's currently going on with the UK politics, but this is the real crime, I think, of the past, well, one of the real crimes of the past, say, you know, 13 years of, 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 of UK government is, up until very, very recently, interest rates for governments have been zero. They could yeah. have lent money on zero interest rates yeah. and done whatever they want with it. They didn't do that really. Yeah. They, they, we could have invested in these long-term projects. We could have built, we could have built nuclear. We could have invested, you know, heavily in our, you know, uh, infrastructure, green infrastructure, etc. Nothing was, has been done, and now you're in a situation where you you want to have the argument for doing that now, but interest rates for governments to, to borrow money are colossal. So you can't actually do it like yeah. you once could. Yeah. So it's a really difficult position for for, for governments to now be in because it costs them so much to do it, whereas it, it didn't five years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, and, and since the in the UK, since you had the, the Liz Trust quasi quartet budget, the sort of the the mood music to say we're going to borrow to invest mm. isn't there because yeah. because they did such a, a catastrophic job of, of well they did an excellent job of spooking the markets but mm. they did a catastrophic job of managing the economy yeah. is that you know any any politician now that comes out and says yeah we're going to borrow well as you said not only is it more expensive but there's also just not the there's not a receptive no uh, ear for that type of message at the no. moment no. so you know what you've seen is the 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 government the UK government now has changed its focus from 
net zero to energy security, mm. which is just one of these things for me, which is just, you know, why, why can't energy security be centered around renewables? It's not. <laughs> Never it's, 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 what, it, what, it's, what it's positioned as is we must invest in further oil and, and gas extraction uh, and coal, frankly, the new, new coal mine licenses, yeah. um, because we need the ability to produce energy onshore mm. or, or in within our own jurisdiction in order to make it secure so we're not reliant on yeah. on Russia. Okay, but what about what about turning that into a renewables yeah. argument or a renewables project? So that so that we're now in this this bizarre situation where net zero's been thrown out. We're now talking about energy security. Yeah. But also the economic conditions are such that Labour had a green investment strategy which was going to be twenty eight billion pounds in the first year of the yeah. if they get in if they win per the next year, election. Yeah. Per year. And now they're saying that, that that will be sort of spread out further mm. and they're kicking it into the long grass basically because they recognise that the ability to go and borrow that mm. money or the ability to spend that money mm. given the state of the economy, i.e. The economy's not growing, therefore the tax take's not going up. People are burdened with the highest tax rates for 50 years in the UK, but also there's no ability to go in, and, and the, the, the borrowing situation is such that they can't go and borrow more to invest and the, and the appetite's not there to do that. So yep. they're now having to water down or, or delay or defer their climate plans because of the economic situation we're in, not yep. necessarily a political will situation. Yeah. The only contrast to that is perhaps, we've talked about it before, but... The Inflation Reduction Act in the US, yes. which was, you know, not not far off four hundred billion dollars worth yeah. of, of, still not quite sure why it's called the Inflation Reduction Act, but it was basically <laughs> marketing, green transition spending, creating yeah. green jobs, government yeah. support for green energy projects, etc. I think it was called the Inflation Re- Reduction Act just to try and convince some Republicans that it was a bill doing something yeah, yeah. that it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that's the only counter trend thing I think we, that we've seen. The US economy is in a better position though. I mean, they can do. They can afford to do a little bit more than some of the other economies. Anyway, yeah. I think I think it's I think we should talk a little bit about you know what what can an individual do about this? What can you do about this? Because a lot of these things are big structural things that that are government led and corporation led. Yeah, but I think that there are some real meaningful things that the average kind of person, the average investor, can do um, to to help the situation. So the, the, the number one thing I would highlight is, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's checking where your pension is invested. Yeah. Either your current pension that you have with your current employer or the pensions that you had when you were employed by your previous employer that you've left behind and that you likely don't know where it's invested anymore. A few stats that bring this to life you know, in the UK are that for every £10 you, you, you put in your pension in the UK at the moment, £2 of that is linked to deforestation. So the companies, what they're doing, you know, that, that you're investing in in the background of your pension. £88 billion of pensions in the UK are invested in fossil fuel companies, and that works out at an average of 3000 per person. But if we could change these things and you know, invest in companies that are doing something positive for the world, you can have a real impact. So it's estimated that um, to cut your carbon, if you, tra- if you changed where your pension is invested, it's 20 times more effective at tackling the issues like climate change than going vegetarian and giving up flying and switching energy provider simply by investing your pension in companies that are doing good stuff for the world. And the reason is, is because that's the biggest wall of money that yeah. any individual is likely to have. Yeah. It, it accumulates to a large pension pot during your lifetime. And now in the UK, especially if you're on a, 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 a defined contribution pension, either paying into one currently or used to pay into one, um, 
it's it's the most bang for your buck that you've got, you know, and it's it's yours to change where it's invested. Yeah. You can dictate where that's invested. Now, most people don't, most people aren't aware of that, but if you can transition it into companies that are doing something good for the world, then that's probably the most meaningful thing that you can do for climate change whilst, you know, earning a return for yourself and building your pension and retirement fund at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you look at, if you look at why a lot of pensions in the UK are invested in, if you look at why, why a lot of pensions in the UK are invested in uh, fossil fuel companies, it's because a lot of them invest in the FTSE 100. And if you look at the FTSE 100, which is the big, yeah. the hundred uh, biggest listed businesses listed on the London Stock Exchange, if you just look at what they are, you've got Shell, BP, uh, Glencore, Rio Tinto, uh, Anglo-American. You know, you've got all these things in there that are just, these are mining and oil companies, basically. Yeah. Um, and then you've got big funders of, of, of fossil fuels like uh, HSBC in there, um, Barclays are in there. You know, you've got some, you've got some, uh, you've got some other things that you might not want to be invested in. You know, arms companies, BAE yeah. systems, etc. So, so you know, I think there's a lot of people who are in UK pension schemes that will just be by default in a FTSE 100 tracker in some way because yeah. they're cheap funds and they're seen as you know diversified and and all the rest of it. But you know, the FTSE 100 is not not a place you'd necessarily want to put your money no, in no. terms of being able to be sort of proud of what you've invested exactly. in, and also in terms of being able to say that you're not contributing to this. Yeah. So not to not to end with an advertisement for our own product, but just just briefly, you know, we've we recently launched five investment funds that that make up our investment proposition. Um, three are directly linked to the areas that we've talked about. Um, green energy and technology fund invested in businesses from yes, renewable energy companies, but you know also green buildings and uh, carbon capture companies. Um, the whole spectrum of what would fit in that bracket. Sustainable food and biodiversity fund invested in agricultural technology, sustainable food systems, forest regeneration, all the areas that make up that. And then the the, the, the third one being clean water and waste. So waste reduction, circular economic systems and water preservation. So we, we have, I think, I think if you, if you, if you're investing in companies like this and in funds like this, you are invested in companies that are addressing this problem. It's doing you're doing something about the issues that we face at the moment, and we think this form of investing over the long term is a is a, is a structural returns case because we as a society, as a global society, have to deal with this issue, whether it's right now, five, 10, 15 years, and these companies are already developing solutions to that and should benefit from that structural shift. Yeah. Should we leave it there? Let's leave it there. Thanks for listening. Everyone. Thank you. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.